It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy, with your hosts, Eric, Isaac, and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss their thoughts on the boom of horror remakes in the 90s and early 2000s. But I guess uh, just to uh, jump over this other side of the conversation, I want to talk about this whole movement of the remakes versus originals thing. Yeah, it was so prevalent. And I feel like a lot of my kind of influence in reaching back to older horror came from just these remakes coming out. Because, mm-hmm. of course, I was quite young in the early 2000s and the late 90s. I was born in 94. So a lot of the huge movies that are coming out in terms of horror were all these huge remakes. Like, um, The Fog, for example, I saw the first time and never knew about the original until that film came out. Um, what are some others? The Hills Have Eyes. The Hills Have Eyes, yep. Saw that before I saw the original, The Wicker Man, Black Christmas. Wrong House on the Left, or whatever that's called. Oh, yeah, I, I did see the original before that one, but... I've never seen the original of Last House on the Left or um, I Spit on Your Grave. But both of those movies, the remakes we watched, loved them. I, I mm-hmm. love me a good revenge movie for a lady. And there's a lot of them. Um, there's a really good one that's on Shudder that's simply called, I think it's called Revenge. But yeah. um, Death by a Microwave. That's that's the one that I remember <laughs> from Last House on the Left. But the thing is that uh, you can only watch those types of movies if you have a certain mindset, like you're into horror movies. You can't be somebody who's easily triggered. And I hate, I hate to say like things like trigger warning, but there, this is a thing. You know, it's not liberal commie nonsense. But the beginnings of those movies, I remember uh, particularly with um, I Spit on Your Grave, the beginning uh, where they actually do the rape is horrible. Uh, it is extremely, what's the word? I, not suspenseful, but icky. Um mm. Well, rape is icky, but everything leading up to that, and I don't think that they... Sh- I don't know. I can't remember, but she does have a... Re- it's it's, it's a, fa- a, a nair-punching movie. I remember that. I remember enjoying it. Um, so maybe that maybe that's the best remake, because that and Last House and the Left, those were just, like, B-movies. There was... Well, actually, you know, just to uh, talk about this, because I kind of looked at... I looked at this big Wikipedia list of all the horror remakes... And I feel like the things that really kicked off the boom in the 90s and the 2000s was those few good 80s ones. Like The Blob, um, Mm. The Fly, The Thing, Cat People. Like those three movies, even though The Thing wasn't very big at the time. I have no idea what Cat People is. They had such a huge cultural impact. Oh, you never seen Cat People? I never even heard of it. Or it doesn't ring any bells. Sir, 
Well, there was a movie in the 30s. Uh, it's just basically about this guy who dates a lady and she turns into a cat. She's like a werecat. I think she turns into a panther more specifically. Or that's The remake, I've never seen the whole thing, but that was Malcolm McDowell. Somewhere between Clockwork Orange and uh, the uh, Rob Zombie Halloween. He's so fucking ugly mm. in that movie. And it's... <laughs> Interesting. Man, she is hot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, actually, I've never seen Cat People in its entirety because I've only seen the edited TV versions. God, she's really hot. But I saw that a lot growing up. It scared the fuck out of me, that movie. And, of course, The Fly and The Thing. Those are some absolute classics. Oh, The Fly was something else. Something yeah, fucking else. Yeah, talk about a remake that's better than the original. The original Fly is boring, and I love Vincent Price, Aww. and I love his old movies and all that. I, th- I thought it was terrible. I, well, but I saw it when oh. I was 10, so maybe that doesn't count. Yeah, I know the ending of that movie when we see like a, a guy caught in a spider's web as a fly. Oh, that's some scary stuff. Well, of course, we yeah. see it. Wasn't that at the end of Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Help me. Help me. That's right. still, when I hear the voice in my head, it just tickles my spine. No, no, that's terrifying. But but like that was at the end of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, wasn't it? Were they watching it at the drive in? I don't remember. Again, I've never seen that all the way through. I don't remember it. I think they went at the end of the movie. They're at the drive-in, and I think they see like the end of the fly or something. Um, before they see the movie within the movie of about Pee Wee's life. Oh, but but either way, that those those couple movies in the eighties, I feel like, really kicked off kind of the wave of them in the nineties, and then in the two thousands, like we got Night Living Dead, Frankenstein. I almost think they're separate, like separate eras of re oh shit that's even what? like a- oh sorry i'm not sure what's going what, what you're saying eric <laughs> no i just mean <laughs> no, i know what you're saying i think i hear what you're saying correctly i just think those are like separate eras of remakes um i kind of agree with that yeah no, i i am yeah that, that i'm saying that those kind of some of those were a success like the fly was a big success i don't think the thing had any sort of success at all but cat people on the blob even though they weren't big hits initially, I, I feel like they really picked up some steam on uh, VHS. And so we, then we got like things like Night of the Living Dead, Village of the Damned, and then we actually got some bigger like studio stuff. Wait, can I can I go back even before the eighties? There's one sure. 1970s movie that's a remake of an old Body movie. Snatchers. Yes, Invasion of the mm. Body Snatchers. Just came out on 4K like last month. That movie yeah. is fucking incredible. And, Absolutely. Um, I, I don't know for sure because I haven't seen the 1950s. Is it 1950s version? Yep. But I don't think the 1950s one would be as as um, effective as that because the first half, I don't really care for like the end, but the first half, oh. Yeah, it's oh. stellar. Absolutely. Yeah. I've never seen the 50s one either, and I've only seen half of the 90s one. But I have read the book, and the book's great. But... Yeah, we had, we had a 90s version of that as well, and uh, which is not very good and quite low budget. Yeah, we got some bigger like studio projects like Psycho, um, The Haunting, or the the Haunting and the Haunting of... Fuck, what's that other one called? The Haunting Vincent of Christ. Christ. Thank you. <laughs> With uh, Jeffrey Rush, Mikai Pfeiffer. Um, that's oh, a really yeah. good movie. That's a really good movie. There's a really good scare, a couple of really good scary scenes in that. There's one scene with a camcorder that is really effective. Um, 
with Ellie Larder. Man, there's more, there's more. And you know, I, I've seen the haunt. No, wait, I shouldn't say that because I, I think I did see it on the big screen. Is the, the original Haunting of the Hill, Haunting of Hill House, is that with Vincent Price and George, is it George Price? And there's a skeleton at the end and they, and when it first came yep. out, they would actually have a skeleton go up over the audience. Yeah, not Hill House, but House on Haunted Hill. Austin Hunt. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Hill House is more oh, like he, haunting. He said Haunting of Hill House, like the Netflix series. Yeah, I, I fucked it up. Yeah, I was getting confused. I wrote it badly in my notes. That's why. <laughs> um, other remakes. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes, which I can't decide in that case. Because the original Hills Have Eyes with Wes Craven is very, very disturbing. Like, fuck. Yes, absolutely. The, yeah, and the remake is also very disturbing because they really capitalize and all the Eric so that you know the hills of eyes and if you want to watch this go ahead and watch if it sounds interesting to you um this family's it's like a family of five people they have a they have a baby it's you know the 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 older couple they have like three kids they've got one of them's married with a baby they have two german shepherds named beauty and beast and they decide that they're going to take a shortcut uh, through the desert. But of course, it's a horror movie. Their RV breaks down, so they're stuck. And there's these hill people, uh, the hills have eyes, that are cannibals. And one of them is played by the guy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I knew you were going to say that. I've seen, the, I've seen yeah. the cover. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about then. And, uh, you know, hilarity results. And there are a couple <laughs> scenes in there that are really hard to watch. Um, there's yeah. one involving an attack inside the RV and it's like I think you may have gone too far Wes Craven um, oh, and I, I love that movie I, I really do think he captures some of the vibe of Last House on the Left without going nearly as far as that movie does hmm. like the original Last House on the Left is so disgusting in parts that I just I can't stomach it Last House on the Left or uh, The Hills Have Eyes he kind of encapsulates that vibe but makes it much more tolerable it deals with the same themes too of taking Middle America and pushing it to its absolute like extremism of like what you what you would do in yeah. the worst of circumstances. I name, yeah, but yeah. I don't name a bunch of remakes from the two thousands. Some I saw, some I didn't see. But there's the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two thousand three. Oh, okay. I got to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's what really kicked off the big. Boom. Did not see that one. I, okay, okay. Can I can I see? I'm so sorry. I feel like go ahead. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is my favorite all-time Right, movie. that I've seen. I, mm. I saw it in college. Um, when I moved to Austin, I was so pleased to find out that I lived less than, like, five miles from where it was filmed. Um, doesn't look like that anymore, by the way. Um, when the remake came out, I was a lot less jaded towards remakes than I am now, so I'm like, oh, let's go see it. Sure, no problem. And I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. I could smell the whiskey <laughs> on his breath. But it's not bad. Um, it is a little bit it's overdone. I yes. mean, it's a little bit overdirected, just like the movie uh, Dawn of the Dead we talked about today. There's a lot of, like, everything's just fucking gray and brown. But it's still yep. creepy as fuck. It's uh, that same filter. Yeah. And uh, uh, Leatherface is still creepy AF. Um, they have a basement. Which we don't have in Texas, I will say that. Just right, it's because of the it's because of the limestone. I seriously think that made that movie maybe Arlie Ermy's best performance. 
even Whoa. better than um, the Cuba film, Full Metal Jacket. He is so creepy in that. That's the differential for me. I can't stand him in that movie. Really? And it's mainly because I saw the sequel first. Oh, sir, no! The beginning, he's so much and so, in my opinion, terrible that when I went back and saw the first one, I was like, I just, I can't stand this guy. Well, you're not supposed to like him, you know. And what, there was a scene in that movie that I'll never forget. And the girl, the final girl is running from Leatherface and she runs into some RV parked out in the woods somewhere. And there's these two ladies in the RV. There's a skinny lady and a fat lady. And they're just talking all sweet to her, like Texas folk. Like, you don't need to worry. He's a sweet boy. And they have a baby. And the girl's like, that's not your baby. It's, no, don't say that. And eventually, I, I don't remember what happens next, but they, they subdue her somehow. But um, I have no problem with the remake. Uh, most people do. I love it. I have a problem with some of the sequels of the remake because it goes just fucking all over the place. They're, they're coming out with a next Netflix film now. And supposedly Leatherface wants to do good. So uh, oh, I'm like, let's uh, don't. Throw it in the garbage. Don't even release it. There, there are several sequels to uh, Texas Chainsaw. My absolute favorite one is the one with Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey, which is so banana pats crazy. Yeah. It is. It's a, Next generation. Oh, man, he is so good in it. And he's got this thing on his leg. Like, there's something wrong with his leg. So it's got this, like, mechanical thing on it. And there, it's, it, these people, oh, oh, it's so good. I love it. I fucking love Texas Chainsaw 2 with Dennis Hopper. Oh, yeah. completely ape. Yeah, and I didn't see, I, I saw the remakes of that franchise as well before I saw the original. So that's that's another one that introduced me to another franchise that I've at least those first two I love, but the rest are just crap, in my opinion. But. I gotta tell Eric, Texas Chainsaw 2. Toby Hooper, obviously, he did well with the first one, so he decided he was gonna make a part two. It was gonna be more gory and more like a traditional slasher, but he puts in all these in-jokes about Texas. Like, at one point, he briefly mentions the uh, competition, the the thing between OU and Red River Shootout. Yeah, that's, that's brought up. You see, there's a scene where Leatherface is chasing after the girl and she lands on a cooler and all the sodas spills out and he's taking his chainsaw and slashing through the sodas and he's slashing through big red so all this red stuff is splashing out. <laughs> well, that's funny. I mean, shit that only tech people who live in Texas would understand, including the absolute obsession with barbecue, uh, which which I understand because barbecue's fucking delicious. Um albeit expensive that was actually a canon film and he was kind of he he was like oh you know the first movie i kind of made it a dark comedy so i want to make this one even more overt and of course the people at canon were absolutely pissed when they saw what he made and they kind of buried it but (laughs) wait a minute he said i love that that movie he said that he made a comedy with the texas chainsaw massacre yeah he always viewed the original uh texas chainsaw as a dark comedy in some weird way that i don't fully get it's got some funny bits but (laughs) I don't fully see a dark comedy there, but he apparently did. So, <laughs> so with Texas Chainsaw, then they made like a couple sequels. They made a prequel, which was horrible and boring, called Leatherface. Terrible. Um, oh. I went to go see uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D in the theater. Oh. It's okay. Oh, the oh. girl that's in it, the main girl, she's in the show now called The White Lotus, where she's very good. Oh god. And um, 
Now, what, what other movies are there that we could talk about? Amityville Horror. Was, it, was there one of those in the 2000s? Yeah, we, we started out really with uh, 13 Ghosts, which I've never seen the original, but I did love that film growing up, uh, yeah. 13 Ghosts. And then there was, of course, Dawn of the Dead, and then, yeah, Amityville Horror came out in 2005. I was going to say, I don't remember the years, but there was the Friday the 13th, there was the... Um... Yeah, that's the very end of the decade that, that barely that, i don't know if that there was nightmare on elm street which i thought was going to be cool i don't remember why i thought it was going to be cool but i did yeah that was actually like the tail end that was in the 2010s even there's halloween we should talk about that one we Rob should talk Zombie. about that one yeah maybe, maybe i'll go through the all i can say about that is that it was playing on dvd while i was having sexual relations with someone so <laughs> I, I wasn't fully into the movie. Hey, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> but this is a true story. Well, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that's all I got to say. Well, one more thing I have to say about that is the person I was with in many years prior to this encounter, she was like in the off-Broadway production of like Selena, the musical. Um, so there was there's that. But go on. Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll go through this a little bit more chronological. So right <laughs> before uh, Texas Chainsaw, we actually started a whole new avenue of these kind of remakes, which was the uh, Japanese remakes. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't see any of those. But, yeah. Yeah, and those were a, a whole fucking thing that I didn't even put on this list because I was like, I'm not even going to get into that necessarily. But, <laughs> yeah, we got Amityville, you know, which was absolutely terrible, I think. I, I think the original is terrible, too. But the 2005 film, I'm no fan of. <laughs> it had the standard jump scares and all that, uh, but I thought the first Amityville was just horrible. I thought it was boring AF. I don't think it was scary at all. Yeah, and that's another one that I, another one I saw the remake first, and yeah, both of my I don't think are worth a damn. But the Fog, the original's great. The remake, just I don't even know what the fuck that is. That's I guess so bad it's a good movie in a way. House of Wax, did you guys ever see that? No. Yes. I remember that because we were quitting smoking during that time, and uh, there was a big incident at our house. But uh, it's not bad. But I've never yeah. seen the original. Much to oh. my chagrin, I would love to see the original. It's impressive. Yeah, the original is so fun. You see, it's an early role for uh, Charles Bronson. So that's another positive for me because I got a big thing for uh, Charles Bronson. But <laughs> really, that was a fun one. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Something about that guy. It's just like goddamn. There- I don't know if it's still there, but long time ago on Hulu in the United States, there there was some series he did like in the late 50s television series. And oh, I watched yeah. like some episodes of it. It was insane because he was so young. It was crazy. When he's like a cameraman or something. I don't remember what it's called, yeah. but I think I know the series you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's very interesting. If I guess if you're a fan of Charles Bronson. Yeah, I fucking love that guy. I'll watch anything he's in. That's, that's really weird. And I've seen a lot of crap, but <laughs> I don't know what it is. But isn't he one of the one of the two guys that get away in The Great Escape? Do I remember that correctly? Um, he's in it, but I don't. I don't remember if he gets away. I don't. I don't remember that movie too well at this point. Okay. I have not seen it. What are some others? Yeah, well, well, we've already discussed The Hills Have Eyes a little bit. Um, Sean, I think you were saying you liked that a little bit more in the original. I think you said I. I can't. I think they're about the same. I really like what they did with that movie yeah. in the remake, in, in terms of like um, 
fleshing out the fact that they were survivors of a nuclear fallout and you know she goes into that town that looks like in the beginning of indiana jones and the crystal skull except it's better mm. and uh it was really creepy and really effective to me the sequels were shit um oh but again it's a it, complete insult yeah it's another movie that relies a little bit on jump scares but it is it's, it's very atmospheric that's what i remember about it yeah so. and it helps that they had such a different take like they weren't just cannibals living on their own they were like genuine mutants yeah and so they, they yeah. it, it felt like more like a the descent type of movie yes that's a very good comparison that's excellent yeah exactly the descent wow whoo yeah then we got Man. something like black christmas which i unfortunately saw that before the remake before the original as well oh no caleb <laughs> that's one of my favorites Again, I was I was like twelve at the time, and I was like, "Oh, a new horror movie! I'll watch anything that shows up on HBO." <laughs> so I saw all these horrible films. So Eric, <laughs> you got to see Black Christmas. I made Steve watch it. He enjoyed it for the last podcast. Any relation to Medea's Christmas? Or no, it's not like it's not Jesus like that. Wept. No, Eric, come Jesus on, Medea, <laughs> get the fuck out of here! Listen, listen to these white haters. <laughs> hey, no, we're talking about Black. Oh, I see what you. I black. Uh, hey, who's the, who's no, the racist a, one here? The black. <laughs> <laughs> so, Black Christmas is about a sorority house, and uh, who's the main actress? It's um. Oh, she's got a funny name. Hussey. Olivia Hussey. Thank Olivia you. Hussey. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think she played a Bond girl at one point, didn't she? Sadly, no. But I wish she did. Played the uh, Juliet. She played Bill's wife in the original It. I remember that. Oh, and yeah. uh, it's Margot Kidder is in it. Margot Kidder plays a drunk. Uh, Steve always said, "Wait, Olivia Hussey? Yeah, the one from the one from Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, that uh, she played Norma Bates in the TV movie for Psycho, Psycho Four. <laughs> I have that on DVD, but I've never seen it. Um, With uh, Henry Thomas. <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. Okay, hold on. Which, what, so we're talking about Black Christmas right now. Yeah. So it's got her in it. And they all live in a sorority house. It's Margot Kidder who's playing Margot Kidder. She's just a drunk sorority girl. A couple other, a few other people you, you, we wouldn't know. Met her in real life. John Saxon is is in it. He plays the police guy. Yeah. And uh, basically, it's just your standard horror movie. Um, but you never see the killer, and there's a really creepy backstory that you don't. Or it's just kind of implied about the killer. And what they did in the remake. Oh. Um. Was they explained everything about the killer or killers, and it's it's just not that good. Um, and then they made another one. Wait, I yeah. thought you just told me to watch it. No, the original. No, watch the original. The original from nineteen seventy whatever. Oh, yeah, by, uh, shockingly directed by Bob Clark, the same guy who made a Christmas story, and also stars yeah. uh, the guy from two thousand one, uh, Dave. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic film. Canadian film, too, by the it way. It is. Just to, uh, you know, Canadian pride here. Well, I'm out then. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is It is really good. It's really well done. Joe Bob Briggs does not agree. Oh, my uh, gosh. Hussey was did... so damn hot back in the day. I'm looking at pictures now. Yeah, Holy she was quite. Smokes. Yeah, she was quite pretty. Check out Psycho 4. But... <laughs> well, again, I own it. Just never watched it. Black Christmas. And I don't, I can't think of any other movies that have this, but Black Christmas has possibly the creepiest, mm. um, what are they called? The creepiest, uh, 
phone calls I've ever heard in a movie. Creepier than Scream? Yes. The Scream ones are more jokey. What? I'm kidding. Yeah, it's creepier than Scream. It's gross. It's downright gross. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, it's super gross. Yeah, and that gets to another one that's on my list, which I've never seen the original. Uh, when Stranger Calls. I did see this when it came out back in 06, and I don't remember a fucking thing about it. I've never seen the original, but... <laughs> I've only seen parts of the original, and that's where she's on the phone with the guy, but from what I understand, that's the beginning of the movie. And the remake, if memory serves, was set in this really, really fancy house that was made almost entirely of just glass, where you could see from one room into the other. Wow. Really hard room to masturbate to, masturbate in if you're a kid. Wow. <laughs> Interesting, uh, interesting perspective. Black Christmas is streaming on so many services right now. It's like streaming like for free. On, Let's do it. Like for Christmas on, on like fifteen <laughs> different services right now, and I have at least four or five of these. I'd love to revisit it. Actually, I don't know what your schedule, guys, is like. I don't know if I'd have time to edit it beforehand. But <laughs> jeez, it's even on Pluto. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, if you've never seen it, Eric, definitely check it out. The original Black Christmas is one of the all-time great slasher films. Yeah, it, it really truly is. It's interesting. So good. Hmm. I um, think I'll, I'll try to watch it soon. Uh, we also have The Wicker Man, 2006. Yeah. I have not seen the remake, uh, but I've heard... The bees! The bees! And, and they make the island full of all women... Uh, and then oh. they kill him with bees at the end or something. I have to admit, I wouldn't mind watching it. Uh, the original film's just great, but yeah, I've, I've heard nothing but weird things about the remake. remake. Yeah. Nick Cage. I, I'm, I'm hot and cold about Nick Cage. I, I will see a Nick Cage movie that I hate, then I'll see one that I really like. Um, have you seen Mandy? I love Mandy. Mandy. I'm pissed that there's no 4K release available anywhere. Uh, that that that. Sean, have you seen um, Wild at Heart, the David Lynch film? Oh yeah, a long time ago. That movie freaked the hell out of me. You want to talk about hot in terms of Nick Cage? Something about him and Laura Dern in that movie? Just goddamn, just sexual fire. Those two in that movie. I don't know. I've never been in that again. This is what Caleb told me last week. Me neither. When it comes to Nick Cage. I've never had much of an attraction to Nick Cage, but for whatever reason, David Lynch can just pull it out of people. Kyle MacLachlan in Blue Velvet, him and Laura Dern, something about that movie just turns me on the whole way through with those two. Oh, God. Yeah, and if you want to have a whole conversation about that, you can talk to my partner and you can call him at 512 blah 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 blah, because he thought he thought Kyle MacLachlan was so fucking hot in blue velvet and really oh, yeah. he's just this nerdy guy he's just this guy that's kind of he's not a loser but he's just sort of this guy that's thrust in this situation oh he's got the most kissable lips and laura dern is just as hot as she's been that movie yeah it's there's a certain erotic element to that movie that i just i can't escape every time i watch with those two Oof. keep talking you guys i'm almost <laughs> finished <laughs> <laughs> You guys were unintentionally like throwing out some innuendos when you were describing that movie, like some unintentional ones. But oh, it's back when I was pretty <laughs> back years ago. About, like, <laughs> sorry, Sean, go ahead. Twenty-five years ago, when I was pretending to be straight, I would always say that my favorite Hollywood crush was uh, uh, Laura Dern. 
She was so cute in Jurassic Park and everything that she's done. She was smoking. And it's all been destroyed because of Star Wars. No, fuck that. Go back and watch Blue Velvet no, and Wild at Heart. Yeah, watch Blue Velvet, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Citizen Ruth. I definitely found her fetching in Jurassic Park, but I haven't seen her earlier stuff. Yeah, the term sex kitten comes to mind with Wild at Heart, but I won't say that in public. Uh... Jeez. First it's the cat lady. I guess I already did. <laughs> There was a scene, I saw that movie when I was a kid, and there was a scene that horrified me, and that's when oh. they're driving in the desert late at night, and they come upon that car crash, and that girl from Twin Peaks. Spectacular scene. Oh my god, that terrified me. And and then there's the scene with, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> no, oh, really? No, I didn't know he was in there. there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's his name? Uh, Marty McFly's dad. Crispin Glover. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm making my lunch! <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my favorite David Lynch film, Wild at Heart. Love, love that film. By the way, is Black Christmas 2019 related to the no, other No, do not watch that one. <laughs> I have not okay. seen that. It's it's 1970-something. There's three of them. Yeah, right, that's... I just didn't know, but is it connected like to these other remakes? or is it? Is it yeah, it's a remake. Thing? It's a remake. Oh, okay. So it's another one. What are some other remakes? I've heard nothing but terrible things. Okay, after uh, after that we get to The Omen, which is sadly, I must admit to my embarrassment, another film that I saw before I saw the original. I even saw the sequel to the original Omen before I saw the first one. So <laughs> That's the movie when I knew I was gay. Uh, at part two. I had such a crush oh, on that Sam kid. Neil? I was or, no, no. Part two. Uh, oh, Samuel's in part three. That's right. Part three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, part two is probably my guilty favorite out of all of them because it's got more deaths, and you know, in, in Final Destination ways, you know, there's a guy that gets electrocuted in an elevator. There's a guy. Is the whole the planet ga- glass? Uh, uh, no, that's the first one. Oh. David Warner gets beheaded by a pa- by a pane of glass. Okay. The problem with the first one is that it's basically there because of The Exorcist. You you wouldn't yeah. have The Omen without The Exorcist. But the problem is that, that I think, I, I don't know about the 70 standards, but I, I always thought it was really slow. Um, there was just a lot of talking. It's still a great film. It's got so many great performances. Um, oh, what's his name now? I, I'm, I'm a little drunk. I can't remember. Patrick Trout. Uh... Patrick Trout. <laughs> <laughs> No, the guy from um, uh, the, that fucking book. Uh, oh, where is it? Where is it in my collection here? Um, to Kill a Mockingbird, the, the lead in it. Gregory, Gregory Peck. Peck. Gregory, Gregory Peck, Peck. Yeah, he, he's so good in that. It's got such a great, um, kind of disturbing element. To it. I'd love to cover that at some point. And and Lee Remick plays his wife, and I didn't realize it until I saw it when I was older. Lee Remick is a huge bitch in this movie. She really oh. is. I mean, she's been tricked by her husband, but she's just like, well, why wouldn't that ha- happen, Robert? We're beautiful people, aren't we? It's like you are so self-consumed, you know? Yeah, you know, I remember I wanted to do that with you guys after we finished up uh, The Exorcist. I was like, this would be a good follow-up doing these movies. Because I haven't seen hey. many of these since my childhood, so. <laughs> a few months ago, I, I bought the uh, Blu-ray pack from Shout Factory. It include, it even includes the made-for-TV Omen 4. Oh, i never seen that one. <laughs> and the remake, which it's been a long time. I haven't seen that since it came out. Me? Yeah, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah, if you guys are interested, I'd, I'd be curious to revisit those. Yeah, Sign me up 
for whatever. Yeah, sign me up. I'll watch The Omen again. I don't care. Sure. Um, and it won an Academy Award for Best Score by Jerry Goldsmith. Hansus, Damihus. It's so creepy. It does have a great score. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but after yeah. The Omen, I wrote down Halloween, which say what you will about that movie. I'm not a big fan, but people still talk about that one at least. So you know that's that's something for it. Steve just saw that and he didn't like it. I'm like, what kind of fucking communist? I don't know. I mean, it's okay. I liked it more before than I did now. Yeah, the the whole redneck family thing and just the overall vibe, like especially in the director's cut. Wait, wait, wait. hold on. You're ta- are you talking about the Rob Zombie version? Rob Zombie, yep. Okay. Oh, oh, Steve saw the first one for the first time. Yeah. Oh, and didn't like it. Oh, that's too bad. No. I don't know. I don't know. I can't. That's weird. That. That's weird. Where's the shit we watch on Netflix episode for it? I'm curious. I, we, we didn't have it. He, he talked about it on the Murder, She Wrote podcast. So in our, our pre-show banter, that's okay. It's all right. It's Murder, She Wrote. Don't worry about it. And I, I was enjoying all the episodes of Murder, She Wrote that I watched so far. I think I watched the first four that you guys did, but I just fallen off now. We did too. There was only one that we really didn't like so far, which surprised me. But anyway, Rob Zombie's Halloween, I saw it once. I didn't hate it as much as everybody else seemed to, but it was sort of like not as bad as when Gus Van Sant remade Psycho. That's not bad. I shot. (laughs) Okay, this right here, Eric, is stunned silence. Why is it not bad? We talked about this already. No, that's just me and you, Eric. We talked about this. No. I don't like it either, Sean, but what I said was um, I've always thought it was like almost an art film in a way. Just like a weird like postmodern experiment on film where they were like, what would happen if we recontextualized but did it exactly the same in 1998? Yeah, I accept that premise. I, I agree. And I don't think it works, but I think it's an interesting concept just as an art film, but I don't know anything about the director, so... <laughs> because, yes, because I've often wondered, like, that philosophical question for many movies. Like, what if this was made now, but not a remake? Like, if it was just made now, in modern times. I've thought that about many things. And I totally accept Psycho in that way. And I think... Like, if you pretend... I think that's why I said to you, Caleb. If you pretend, like, the original never existed, I think it holds up. I mean... Keeping in mind that it is so true to the original, I feel that it would hold up if it was the original. Now, I don't know that you would call it a classic and, and whatnot, like like the original, um, but I think it just holds up as a really good movie, even though it doesn't really bring anything to the table. But I, I don't know. I find myself able to enjoy it. I don't watch it often, the remake, but the times I've revisited it, I I can find it enjoyable, even though it is just like a carbon copy yeah i think if i think if i had seen it in 1998 and was an adult i would have appreciated it because i probably would have been a douchebag like all the filmmakers back then i've been like oh this is such a cool postmodern experiment like oh it's so interesting to see this whole thing recontextualized but in this day and age i just don't think that kind of thing matters anymore people don't care the same way they used to i guess so. <laughs> people are divided on if they like vince vaughn's portrayal of um of, uh, what's his name? Norman. Um, Norman. And I kind of liked it, although the masturbation scene scene hit yeah. a little too close to home for me. Yeah. But you just, other than that, yeah. uh, no, I, I really enjoy it. I really do. 
Well, I haven't seen in ages, but... Can we go back to Halloween really quick? Rob Zombie's sure. Halloween. Because uh, I, I didn't mind it so much, even though everybody else said they hated it. Um, but I don't remember it that well. I'd like to see it again, including part two. Um, oof, Rob oof. Zombie is now uh, making, and Caleb, and you or both of you, I don't know if you're aware of the show The Monsters. Uh, back when <laughs> I, I was kids. <laughs> yes. Rob Zombie is making a movie version of The Monsters. And I think Sylvester McCoy is in it? Or is he in something else? Wow. wow. Um, he's in that. He's, in, he's definitely in... Th- he was definitely cast in something significant recently. Let me look, look, see what it yeah. is. And I am so intrigued by this. Like, what the fuck is gonna zop Rob Zombie? It's it's like Rob Zombie doing Sesame Street or Rob Zombie doing I Love Lucy. I'm so intrigued. I really want to yes. see this. I don't care if it's bad. I'm a little it's interested. Like, I never cared for the original in any way. Um, but I mean, oh, it's monsters. awful. It's. T- I mean, I liked it when I was ten, but really, seriously, it's not a good show. I mean, all of but uh, all you're of, right about Sylvester McCoy. He's gonna be Igor in the Rob Zombie. Wow, wow, wow! Unfortunately, I'll see it. I I see anything Rob Rob Zombie makes, even though I don't like any most of it. I should say. Fun fact, if I'm remembering it correctly, about the monsters, it may be the unless I'm screwing it up, it may be the first time in American television, like on a sitcom, that the the parents and the family slept in the same bed like they didn't have the divided bed i think that's that's a true fact i don't want to contradict you i believe you but i i don't remember that i've seen like every episode (laughs) (laughs) i think that's what it's notable for i definitely haven't seen every episode but (laughs) i did used to watch that on uh there was this local channel that i used to watch called deja vu that's where I watched like Bewitched and Star Trek, and yeah, I watched the mm-hmm. monsters on there, and yeah, Adam's Family, a whole bunch of stuff. I love that channel back in the day. But in in retrospect, you know, I've never seen an episode of the Adam's Family. I've only seen the movies, but I watched the hell out of the monsters as a kid. Like my dad really liked it. Uh, it's dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> Fred Gwynn was kind of funny in it. The way we'd be like, <laughs> Lily, I'm going on an airplane. But uh, I remember. Uh, Years ago, like maybe in the 90s, um, Al Lewis, who played Grandpa, he was a huge proponent of marijuana. Hey and he was on a lot of radio shows talking about that. Yeah, he was very cool. Rock and uh, roll. No longer with us. Nobody in that show is with us any longer except for uh, Eddie Munster, I think. And then they had Uncle Gil who showed up, and it was the, the creature from the Black Lagoon. And he just showed up for one episode. <laughs> Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, cool. You know, yeah. Anyway, okay. I'm so sorry, Caleb. What are the other remakes that we need to talk about? Oh, I could uh, have a conversation until perpetuity. <laughs> There's a prom night, which I did see the original before I saw that one. So there we go. At least that's you know, <laughs> that's a terrible film. If you guys have seen that, I have never seen either one. Yeah, none of them are worth watching. That's that's the area of that's the era of slasher films where it just turned into complete just cheap crap not worth seeing uh friday the 13th which is arguably in the same category <laughs> mm. um the last house on the left like we mentioned and i can, can we go what friday the 13th sure um that mo- that's not worthy i don't want to say it's, no that's that's the wrong thing it's like there's there's been 10 friday the 13th movies you can't just up and go or do a remake or a reboot 
that doesn't make any sense because through 10 movies, the character and the fantasy has been established. Mm. You can't just go make it your own, you know? And then the same thing goes with Friday the, or, um, uh, excuse me, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oof. And, uh, I haven't seen that film. I'm not a big fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think they're scary. I think they're a little bit. How did that happen? Like, they just see, in the 80s especially, in the late 80s, it just seemed like the most, like, the most popular shit, especially yeah. mainstream horror genre. I, I mean, that, everybody was like, I, n- I never met a person in the late 80s who didn't like Nightmare on Elm Street. I wasn't allowed to watch those movies back then. That, that's the thing. You know, I was in uh, eighth grade in 1989. And I remember my mom took me to the movies. We went to go see The Breakfast Club. And I know we sneaked into The Terminator. And it was my, my first R-rated movie. And they showed, excuse me, they showed a preview for Friday the 13th for The Breakfast Club. And... In the preview, they show the scene where Johnny Depp is sucked into the bed and then blood comes out of the bed. And that absolutely terrified me. That mm. that scarred me for... I was in preschool when I saw my first R-rated movie at the theater. Well, you know, I don't know. But my parents were weird. They let me watch Poltergeist and Alien and, and all that, but they wouldn't let me oh, watch... Well, what's weird about Poltergeist, isn't it? Like rated PG or whatever? Yeah, kids shouldn't be watching that. That's a really scary movie. Well, it is rated PG, but also it's probably before PG-13 existed as well. So PG like encompassed more before they invented but PG-13. That's that's another remake. Yeah. Is that on your list there, kid? Oh, Poltergeist. I never saw the remake of that. Oh, God, it's so bad. Poor Sam, Sam Rockwell. <laughs> it's bad. It's Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it wasn't on my list. I only went up to 2010, but... My, my last one on the list was one that I actually snuck in to see in the theater because I was too young to see it at the time. Uh, my Bloody Valentine, starring uh, Jensen Ackles, who I had a big crush on at the time because I was a big Supernatural fan. That same year, actually, I went to go uh, to Chicago to go to a Supernatural convention. So, I have not seen that. Um, I haven't seen the original. The original is really, really... Um... It's like the crazies. Have you ever seen the crazies by? Oh yeah, it's George Romero. The original is. It's really really low budget. It's it's a little bit unwatchable. So the the, the remake was better. Um, oh, for for the crazies. Yeah. Oh, I love that Romero film, but <laughs> I think I had a free copy of that movie and I never watched it. My bloody bones. I do like the remake. I'll just say, but I I, I love that original one too. Really. Yeah, I think it holds up better on repeat viewings. To, okay. But, but yeah, no, I did see the original My Bloody Valentine before that. It, it did play on TV, and it is in some ways a little bit of a Canadian classic, the original one. So maybe that's why I had a familiarity with it. But I remember seeing in the theater, we, we all snuck in, me and a couple other Supernatural friends. And there's like maybe like a seven minute long scene where this woman just walks around naked for the whole sequence. For her death and she's like walking around with a gun she's like i'm gonna kill this killer and she's like naked in heels the whole time and i remember being like wow like i definitely shouldn't be in this movie i'm like 14 <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what that's perfectly fine for a 14 year old now there are a couple others uh you didn't can i can i mention some others oh sure absolutely uh can we talk about it the tv the very loved probably the best loved TV made-for-TV movie since *The Burning Bed*, *It*, starring Tim Curry um, as the clown, 
And then, of course, years and years later, most recently, they came out with the two-part movie. Mm. Um, I personally think the the movie, the two-part movie, is like uh, the best thing since sliced sliced bread. And I think the only good thing about the TV movie is Tim Curry. Can I get an amen? Absolutely. I've seen neither none of all these. Eric, I don't know you. I've not seen the second half of the the feature films, but... As a fan of the It book, yeah, that first TV movie, I, I appreciate some things about it, but even though I saw it as a kid, I, I don't have any nostalgia for it. It just does not work as a feature. The first of the the new movies intrigued me, and I really wanted to see it, just never got to it, because I've always liked things, I mean, based on the trailers, I've always liked things that are similar to, like, a Stand By Me motif, like kids back in the day. Um, mm. So that seems very intriguing. I just... I just, I don't know. I just haven't got to it. I wanted to see it, though. I, I think trading the 80s for the 50s was just a good choice for this time. Yeah. I feel like young people today just can't relate to the 50s, I don't think, in the same way they could with no. the 80s. Right. So. And there were scenes in the new one that in the old one were just fucking ludicrous. The scene in the Chinese restaurant. The Chinese restaurant. Which Which part is that? I don't remember. Uh, it's in the second one when they all first meet up as adults and they go oh. for dinner at this Chinese restaurant. And when they each open up their fortune cookies, different things happen. And it kind of worked in the first one. And like the, the the waitress comes in, she's like, "Is everything all right?" And you're like, "No, it's okay. Our friend just had an asthma attack, and we're all having yeah. panic attacks." The second, the, the new one, did it much better. But I can't remember because I haven't seen it since it came out. Yeah, I love that scene in the book. I always thought that that scene at the Chinese restaurant was one of the best parts of that book. Yeah. For the adult section, I should say. They stick to the ending from the book mostly, which I did not like, but what are you going to do? I don't I, I don't know, know where the hell else you're going to go with that, you know. Did they include the uh, the orgy scene? Please God tell me. No. They don't. <laughs> no, they did not. No, they did not. And I don't remember that from the book at all. Uh, but it's been many, 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 many years since I read that. So um, yeah, that's the reason I've never re- reread that book. I've reread most Stephen King books that I like a lot, but I just can't. That scene put me off so much. I was like, okay, that's that's enough for me. But... Uh, there was another one. Uh, Eric's yawning. Eric, stop yawning. We're talking about serious things here. Uh, don't you can yawn, Eric? I'm sorry. I don't want to be a yawning Nazi. Yeah, the yawn police over here. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the Shining. The Shining had a remake made-for-TV remake starring Stephen Wright and Rebecca De Mornay. Oh, no. Did you see this? No. I own it. I've never been able to put it in... I'm actually looking at the disc right now. I just pull it off my shelf. I've never had the energy to watch it. It's like three hours long, isn't it? Something like crazy yeah. like that? Yeah, I think it was three episodes or something like that. I don't know. I didn't like it when it came on. And I think it's written by Stephen King. I think it's screen- screenplays by Stephen King. It and is. It, they they go into a lot of the stories of the people, the ghosts that are there. Like, for instance, say, the weird uh, bear costume guy that's going down and the old guy in the tuxedo yeah. in the bedroom. Maybe they go into that. and I don't remember. But um, the problem is, is that it's horribly acted, if I remember correctly. And the effects are just terrible. Uh, there's a scene where they, give, they, they, they bring a wasp's nest into uh inside and uh, mm. the, oh man yeah. oh no 
Yeah, and I'll, I'll just save one of the big reasons that I've not put this in my player, even though I've owned the disc for many years, is because it's directed by a, a huge hack of the horror genre, Mick Garris. The only good thing he ever did was producing that, uh, that Masters of Horror series. Every film that he's made is just terrible, in my opinion, that I've seen. <laughs> Including Psycho 4, if he directed that. So... <laughs> Did, didn't he also do The Stand? Did he direct The Stand? The original oh, one? That's interesting. Let me grab my disc. Again. Um, oh, damn. It doesn't say who directed it on here. I think he was behind that in some way, but I don't remember the details of it. Yeah, not a great not a great horror director, but what, what can you do, I guess? When they did The Stand, um, I, I think that book is unfilmable. And yeah. at least like maybe the second half, the first half during the plague, yes. And they did really good with that in the original thing of that. But I haven't seen the uh, the new one. But I understand that it's very much like Lost, where they end up in Colorado or Las Vegas or wherever they're going, and everything is told in flashback, which I don't want. To, I don't. I don't. Oh, it's weird. Oh, it's yeah. it's it's funny you mentioned that. Of course, that ties back to our our film that we reviewed. Because Matt Frewer is also in that, playing Trash Can Man. Oh, yeah! <laughs> he, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the crazy guy. Yeah. Huh. When I first read that book, I thought it was one of the best books I've ever read. Mm, in that first me half. Too. When, when people were dying of the plague. And, uh, man, I can't even imagine. I, You know, if that happened in real life, I think I'd rather just die than be, the you know, one of the 1% alive on the earth. Yeah, this is so weird for me to think back to my my younger years. I read that at a really rough point in my life, and the only positive influences that I had in my life at the time were my religious friends. And I read that book, and Mother Abigail was such a positive influence. I was like, you know, maybe maybe I should go back to the church. Maybe that'll help me get away from all these problems I'm having. And so I became religious for a few years after reading that book. (laughs) That's so weird for me to think. Okay, all right. Oh... (laughs) <laughs> but the people that went to Mother Abigail, they weren't necessarily religious. They were just, uh, hell, fair. they were communists, I think. If you really look at it that way. It wasn't fully because of the book, but it, it definitely had an influence. Like three years of my life where I was religious. Very strange. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was the end of my, my list there. I, yeah, My Bloody Valentine was the last one I had listed. But I guess we have had a whole decade of other ones since then, but... I just don't pay as much attention. Like, we had Candyman recently, and I don't know what else. <laughs> Can you think of any other ones, Sean? Yeah, I haven't seen... I, I never liked I never liked the original Candyman, and I, I have no... I have no... Uh... Eric! Yes? Are you yawning? Is that you yawning? Yes. Are you okay, baby doll? You want to go to bed? You know, every every time you mention Eric, like, half being asleep, I think of, uh, there's a scene in Halloween when we see, um, <laughs> Jamie, oh, fuck, what's her name now? Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, we see a scene where she has, like, this, like, corduroy print on her, her face, because she, she was apparently, like, sleeping on a couch, and they woke her up right before filming, and they're like, get in front of the camera, quick! She still had the print from the couch on her face. I keep thinking really? of Really? Yeah. <laughs> so. It's, like, near the, the very end of the film. Speaking <laughs> of Jamie Lee Curtis, have I ever brought this up? Is it an urban legend that she was like a hermaphrodite or something like that? Is that some type of urban yes, it's myth? An urban legend. Okay, so then one of my college roommates 
really asked that. <laughs> I think his name was Guy Mancini. Um, <laughs> My Mancini. He's, he's Italian, very Italian from New Jersey. Yeah, what, what is he, a character from the movie Porky's? Dude, I, I, used to, I can't do it now, but I used to do impersonations of him. Because I'd be like, Guy, like who names their kid Guy? I can't do it anymore. But anyway, Guy Mancini, my old roommate in college, um, he was very Italian from New Jersey. And <laughs> um, he told me that like, he knew a person who knew the gynecologist who um, Jamie Lee Curtis would go see. And he sw- he was like, I swear to God, I swear to God. Like, she really is, like, a hermaphrodite or a trans because he knew someone who knew the gynecologist. And and I was like, okay, whatever. I don't even know. Uh, but then, in recent times, am I just making this up? I'm just going off memory. Didn't, didn't like, her, didn't she have, like, a, a child who came out as trans or something, Jamie Lee Curtis, in recent times? Let me look it up right now. Okay, so if you want to have a, yes. uh, they used to call it a sex change operation, but now I think it, I don't know what it's called now, but um, yeah. you would, I don't think you would go to your, your OBGYN. I, I think that you would go to a different doctor, a specialist, probably in her time, some different city somewhere. So in October of this year is when the Jamie Lee Curtis started talking about her trans daughter. And so I just thought oh, it was okay. weird okay. because yeah, it I reminded so me. It reminded me of that whole urban legend and my roommate, and I don't know. I just thought it was weirdly cyclical. I forgot about those rumors about her. Wow, that's yeah, reaching back into the old school. But I've looked it up, and I'm pretty sure, according to the internet, it's it's not true. I mean, about her. Oh, of course, yeah. But if you ask Guy Mancini, he'll tell you something different. Let me tell <laughs> Every you. Every time you say that name, I think of Child's Play. I'm Don Mancini. No, because I remember I was like, dude, you're so because he was telling me how they they would literally import olive oil like from Italy, like. You know, to use at home and stuff. <laughs> okay, I'm not making that up. I'm not making that up. Is this oh, a, no? Boy. Is this a, no? Is it? <laughs> I swear to God! I swear to God! I wish I could still talk like him. Um, Go ahead. I swear to God, this is my real roommate in college, Kai Mancini. I think this was a rumor. I'm, I'm gonna look him up on Facebook right now and see if he comes up. <laughs> because. Go ahead, Sean. <laughs> Because uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween and, and like you know Terror Train and the prom one I can't remember what it's called. She was she was kind of husky, like not body wise, but you know she did have that kind of like flat voice like that. But and she still yeah. has it. Um, I think she's gorgeous now. By the way, I've I remember thinking she was pretty hot. I mean, in the '70s context, in the original yeah. Halloween, and I remember people used to talk about it um, with the movie. What was it called? Um, True Lies. True Lies. <laughs> like, but people would say, like, she's so hot, but, like, but unconventionally good-looking at the same time in a weird way. That little strip scene? Yes. As a kid, that strip scene uh, did something for me. I, don't know. I was like, oh, well. So I loved Arnie movies, and I was like, oh, this strip scene. Wow, this is, uh, yeah. Yeah, but she was really cute in The Fog, too. She's great in that, and... Uh, uh, Colombo, of course, she shows up in uh, the Sky High. <laughs> what, what's that called again? <laughs> the Bye Bye Sky High IQ Murder Case. Thank you. Longest... Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think was that before Halloween? I don't know. Yeah, just slightly before. I think like seventy-seven or something, maybe. And she was in uh, Knives Out, uh, which I think she was oh, great yeah. in. She was she was 
I think she's a silver fox. Her and Diane Keaton, I think, are silver foxes. Is that what you call a lady, an older lady who's attractive? I don't know. I thought it was called a cougar. Maybe I'm not a really good judge. No, no, that's that's middle-aged. Older is the silver fox, yeah. Oh. <laughs> All these random terms. My mistake. And that applies to men or women, I think. I think so, too. Although I can't remember, I, I'm not thinking of really too many men in the silver fox category, at least these days. Maybe that's just my youth speaking. Well, I could go to a bar right now and find many silver foxes. <laughs> yeah, the desperate silver foxes, there every night looking for, for a hookup. But anyway. <laughs> the Iron Bear here, here in Austin. You can go in there and, you know, if I was like, you know what? I think I want to go out and have sex with a stranger. That's where I would go. You know, it's funny how I say that. Like, you know, this wasn't a normal thing. I should probably stop right there. Sorry. Sean, have you ever seen uh, the William Friedkin film Cruising? <laughs> I have never seen it, but I want to see it. And there, I've never heard, other than the controversy that came up about it, which I think is maybe bullshit, but uh, I've never seen it. And, you know. Yeah, I, I watched it for the first time maybe three or four years ago. I was shocked to be genuinely offended by the movie. And I was like, really? Wow, the movie almost feels like it's like secretly like super homophobic well which i i rarely get when i i read those kind of things about things i'm like ah oh, you know maybe they're just kind of you know not looking at it necessarily correctly like they're missing some of the subtleties that movie genuinely feels like it's got a secret like hideous kind of undertone to it weirdly enough <laughs> what year did that come out i think it was 1980 okay well, I have not seen it, but I can tell you that that lifestyle that I've seen in the, uh, the the parts that I've seen is a real thing. Like people are really into that. Yeah, and I, and I should say, homophobic in the sense that it's like talking about like repressed, a gay person who's like, you know, takes out his repressedness on like murdering gay people, but the way they yeah. portray the gay community is like super underground and weird, and yeah, it's just like a weird flick kind of cool but at the same time a super weird flick <laughs> i i don't know i that doesn't sound for 1980 that doesn't sound very homophobic it actually sounds very progressive uh to be in a movie that's what i thought too but something about the betrayal just felt way off to me but that's a th the betrayal what do you mean uh the, the betrayal i should say i'm, I'm a little drunk or the portrayal okay portrayal, yeah, no yeah. i could see that that's a thing that's a thing i mean um john wayne gacy you know, that's uh, that was before John Wayne Gacy, and that was John Wayne Gacy's whole thing. Well, like, we, we visit some gay clubs, and it's supposed to be, like, super alarming. Like, we get some actual, like, on-screen, you know, fisting going on, and everything about it's, like, super aggressive. And I was like, ooh, this this feels weird. <laughs> so Okay, that that is a thing that does exist, but the majority of gay clubs are not like that. And maybe they should have taken it another route. Maybe a remake should be made. Yeah, it's know. a cool film. I No doubt it's a cool film. Just something about the undertone just feels super weird. But I, I will say that I find Al Pacino so complete. Eric, are you giving birth? I think he is. He's giving birth to, to a zombie baby. baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Al Pacino, the, the thing I don't, the, my number one thing that I don't want to see it, and I would want to see it, like if we were sitting around and like, hey, 
let's have some drinks and watch, you know, cruising. Oh, fuck yeah, no problem. I always wanted to see that movie. Al Pacino just does not... I don't know. I think his girlfriend in that movie is Karen Allen. And, like, Karen Allen's like, what's going on? Like, you're always away, and I feel like you're pulling away from me. And he's like, oh, like, I'm I'm just investigating a case. And it's like a... It's like the character that Peter Falk plays in uh, *Murder by Death*, where he's like, "Oh, I, I'm I'm going to the gay clubs just to uh, just for a case." Yeah, suspects. looking for suspects <laughs> every night for six months. <laughs> uh, I, I, I might be curious to talk about that movie if you're interested in seeing it, but <laughs> I'll I'll see it. I mean, I'll order it and whatever. I'm I'm really curious because I've only heard bad. There was a, a, a documentary called. I think it's sort of out of print and you can't get it, but it just talked about gay people in film, like how they're always vilified, which Mm. I think is kind of bullshit um, because there's plenty of other villains in movies that aren't gay. But like, for instance, Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca, big, huge lesbian. Like, you know, of course she dies. Oh, I've never seen that one. And uh, yeah, yeah. One best picture. And uh, there's other movies where I think Freebie and the Bean. Wait, you said Rebecca? Yeah, Rebecca. I've seen it. Don't remember the lesbian stuff, but I have to go back to that. Yeah, total, total big old lesbian. And it's all subtle. Yeah, it's very subtle, just like rope. Yeah, subtext. Because that was during the uh, the code still, East Code. I remember they talked about Eric Johnny Guitar, but there's no lesbian stuff in that, I don't think, other than her dressing Yes, clothes. there is. Yes, there is. Yep. I can't remember if I mentioned that in the podcast or not. That I could imagine the Joan Crawford character, like living in the time period of the movie, as being an actual lesbian character who was living like a straight lifestyle because of the time that she mm-hmm. existed in. I can't remember if I said that or not, but I was thinking that um, when reflecting on the movie. Yeah, that's- and, and 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 then I think we made, you, maybe you made the argument about the other character. I can't remember her name, Emma or whatever her name was. I don't remember. That maybe that's why she had weird, conflicted feelings about about men and relationships. Who knows? Oh, but with with cruising, yeah, I'd be curious to hear what you would think about that, Sean, as someone who grew up in that more kind of repressed era in terms of gay representation. Yeah, that movie's all about the gay community, and I, me as someone coming from, you know, my era, I, I see it in a little bit of a different light than maybe someone who grew up in a different time, so I'd, I'd be curious. Yeah, I, you know what? Yeah, if you want to have me on for that one, I'll, I'll do it. That's not a problem. I, I always wanted to watch the movie. Um, mind you, that's not the same era that I grew up in. Mm. Uh, mine was a little different, perhaps still a lot more um, sexually active. Uh, but uh, yeah, of course. I I also uh, grew up post AIDS, and that movie is pre AIDS. That that's very uh-huh. important to remember. Yeah, big yeah. difference. So, but I've also never been into leather or anything like that, and I don't. I know that that's a thing in that movie. Oh, you don't just go to leather clubs and do anal fisting, uh, rape where people are having their drinks. <laughs> Not the no. Blue Oyster is a good place to hang out. Not the most appetizing place to have your drinks, right by anal fisting, I would think. <laughs> in Boys Town in Chicago, that's the, there was a place, and it was called the Manhole, if you wanted to do that. Oh, and if you weren't wearing leather, you would have to take your shirt off if you wanted to go in the back room. 
And the whole fisting thing, don't ask me about that. Never done it. Will do not want to do it. It's really gross. I just, if anybody did that to me, not only would it hurt, but I'd probably have diarrhea all over the place. I mean, there, there's there's, there, yeah. there's no question. That's called a prolapse anus. I've been in some strap Or in prison. Or in prison, they call it a pink a pink sock. <laughs> oh, God. Th- th- oh, thanks for bringing that over here. The same, oh. Makes you think of uh, pink flamingos. <laughs> I heard John Waters say that it's that's called blossoms. Like men always, gay men that are into that compare their blossoms, which is after they've had that, like part of the ad, wow. the anus, like blot, like pink, uh, like it's. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, let's play that uh, the dancing asshole scene again, and we'll see. <laughs> uh. <laughs> No, I can't speak about that part of the subculture, but I, I'd love to view it as a gay man, you know, uh, what is it, 40 years later and, 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 and all that, because I've always wanted to watch it, and I've always been curious, because William Friedkin did it, and this was this was pre-Exorcist, right? So he already had his finger on something. That sounded wrong. Yeah, this is when he had, his career took a really weird turn after uh, Sorcerer. Uh-huh. Everything got strange from then on. So, and, and I know that movie had like huge protests from the gay community. They were trying to get the movie to not even be shown. They were trying to get the studio to cancel it. So, and, and I went into that knowing that. So I was like, oh, I'm sure they were all like over exaggerating. But then when I actually watched the movie, I was like, oh, like something about this feels just really off in a weird way. So it was an interesting experience watching that. Uh, there was a movie. Um even older than that, called The Boston Strangler, starring Tony Curtis. At, oh, he wasn't really starring it. He was like, he was the Boston Strangler. And I'll never forget, they thought that the, the Boston Strangler at first was a gay man. So they would go and they would, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Do a, like a stakeout of gay bars. And there is a scene in that movie where they show a gay bar. And it's these guys dancing in plaid suits and ties and it is the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. Great. But that movie, that movie ruined Tony Curtis's uh, career. He, I, I don't know he, if he wasn't able to get any more after that, any more roles after that. But uh... oh, but uh, just to quickly shut this down since we're kind of off topic. Thanks again, Sean and Eric, for for coming on here, and uh, look forward to the next time we uh, have you on to talk about something else. Until then, see you on the next one.
because I've gotten so drunk on so many of these podcasts, I just started being like, okay, I'm going to bring in two glasses of wine filled to the brim. That's all I'm going to drink. But I always forget that I keep a bottle of sake in my uh, podcast room. So I've been drinking that now. So, oops. Where, where did you get it from? Uh, I, I buy it from the liquor store, but I, I keep it in this room for uh, whenever I wake up in the middle of the night and go to the washroom. I just go and drink that mm. for whatever reason. Wow. <laughs> I uh, was at a party <laughs> last weekend, and it was a bunch of old friends coming together. And the host of the party invited like his co-worker who's Japanese like true Japanese like he's fucking from Japan like he can't speak English 100% hmm. and he brought gifts for everybody and his gifts were uh, some candy and a, a bottle of sake and it was real sake like I, I've had sake before and I always thought it tasted weird hmm. um, it didn't taste bad but it tasted weird but this sake tasted like white wine with a little bit of spice to it oh and it was sounds really great. it was really delicious i'm like fuck he brought good sake um he says that he you can just buy it at the asian market but not at you know your standard liquor store but yeah really good oh man sake you know because uh, I've tasted bad sake before, like restaurants and stuff. Like, fuck, why do you drink this? This just tastes crap. <laughs> but this was good sake. So. Yeah, whenever I can't sleep, I just come in here and I eat some seaweed and drink some sake. And then next thing you know, I'm out. So <laughs> That will work. That's awesome. That's awesome. Bless you for eating the seaweed. Someone's got to love it. Oh, yeah, I've always loved that. Yeah, we always had students when I was a kid from, uh, from either J- Japan or Korea. And they always brought ramen and seaweed, so I've just got hooked on that stuff. Is it the dry seaweed, or is it the like a seaweed salad? Uh, dry. Oh, oh, bless your heart. Yeah, it's nice that you like that, because Tom likes that. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not a big fan. Oh, I love it. And something about the salt mixed with the alcohol just puts me out like that. But... <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Uh, I don't know if you eat a lot of Thai food, but do you like fish sauce? Um, I, I, I can enjoy it. Generally, I'm kind of a weirdo. I just don't really like food in general. The only okay. food that I really like is ramen and fries. Other <laughs> foods, I just don't enjoy. <laughs> I'll, I'll tolerate them, but I just I just don't like eating just in general. I find food kind of gross, which is very odd. <laughs> okay, well, that's a convenient place to be. Uh... Yeah, it keeps me thin, but yeah... It's kind of an eating disorder in its way, but... Yeah, I don't like good things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, right now, I could really go for, like, a Big Mac and fries. I would devour that in 15 minutes. I could go for that. Less. Pizza. Yeah. Bean and cheese nachos. Pho. Lasagna. Just... Yeah, I keep going. Yeah, and on top of that, I smoke, so definitely keeps me thin in that regard, but... Cigarettes or something else? Well, I smoke both, but yeah, cigarettes, yeah. And I noticed during COVID I put on a little bit of weight, like maybe like, maybe I'm like 130 now. Um, oh, my stupid brain. Oh my, my stupid God. brain, I'm like, oh no, I need to smoke more. I know, it's it's oh a weird God. eating disorder or something. <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> Caleb, I'm like 205 pounds, so, you know, just wait. It'll catch It'll probably help me out. Every time I go to the doctor, they say you need to put on at least 20, pr- 20 pounds. So, oops. But. 
What are your favorite kind of French fries? Um, well, sadly, as a Canadian, I'm kind of embarrassing because I don't like poutine at all. I hate gravy. So I just like anything that's really salty. You know, curly fries, as long as there's lots of salt. Straight fries, as long as there's lots of salt. Tater tots, throw a bunch of salt on it, I'm good. I guess I just mm. like salt. Mm. <laughs> I, have, I have no salt thing. So, Eric, you don't use salt? No, I don't. I have some like seasonings, you know, the ones that are mixtures of things that have some salt in it. That's the only way I would ever use salt. Are you much of a, a gravy guy? Um, I'm fine with it. And yeah, I would totally... I've never had poutine, but it looks like something I'd eat. Um, or what's the Hawaiian thing that has gravy? What is it called? Um, poi. Is it poi? The thing that's almost like a Hawaiian like Salisbury steak with... Brown Spam cream. with with, no. with gravy. No, 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 no. Hey, don't knock spam. It's got its own key. Hey, I love spam, but I mean that's not what I'm talking about. And spam is a very Hawaiian thing and other Asian thing. But now I'm talking about something else. It's just a Dawn of the Dead reference. But... <laughs> um, they sell it at McDonald's for breakfast. Hello, hello. 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 Is this Lens Crafters? Yes. Can I get two pairs of glasses for $69.99 with the free eye exam? If you have the coupon. Coupon. Where do I get the coupon? In the mail. In the magazine we sent you. Yeah. Do you have handicap ramps? Do you have handicap ramps? I've got a walker. I can't walk far. I hurt my hip in 2014. I can't walk too well. Caleb, get the circular. Get the circular off the counter. 